Hello, friend. It's sex nerd Sandra, and I'm so excited for week two of this new launch. Hi. Mm, something I have on my personal list for the new year is to find the episode that I recorded with someone about gender and DNA. I the, One of the last conferences I was able to go to a couple years ago was at UCLA, and I didn't understand most of the science at the time because I hadn't been through all the biology and uh, chemistry that I now have been through, but I got to sit down with somebody around, um, you know, I can't even hardly remember because I have so many notes. And then I interviewed somebody in a parking lot about their research on, um, genetic expression and gender. I, anyway, so I'm very excited because whether it's a usable episode or not, I really want to share with you what I learned at that conference. So it'll be a good sex nerd out for both of us. But for now, oh my goodness. So this episode, well, this week is holiday week and I really didn't think I was going to do anything for it because, um, you know, we're all busy and New Year's is coming. But so many people have signed up on Patreon. We are now just over $900 um, and, and just over 130 patrons and I'm in awe. And so I'm like, I'm energized. I'm excited. I'm a little tired because it was Christmas, which is what my family celebrates. And then two weddings. I'm doing I, I, I'm doing the flowers for a friend's wedding today because, uh, surprise, that's something that I know how to do. Um, but I want to get this out to you. So I got to sit down with Dave Ross. He was available and uh, so kind to talk with me. Dave Ross being the co-host for the first hundred episodes of the show and it's been four years we talk a lot about how much time has passed and whether or not you've listened to a lot of previous episodes I would say that I was shocked at how much this was a relationship conversation we really have the distance now to talk about what we were going through at the time that we were uh, hosting together so we go through lots of phases um at the very end, we talk about uh, some of the questions that uh, patrons asked, and it's just and it's just a fun talk. I loved talking to Dave, honestly, um, and it ended with a warm hug and just all good feelings, you know, because it was a rough ride sometimes, you know. But we made some some good adventures together. Oh, co-hosts, that was the day. Okay, let me see some other stuff. So that was, that's the episode that's about to happen. It's all because of December patrons. I love you and I'm, I'm pumped. Ooh, so pumped. Um, I want to clarify something because some people thought that me getting on Patreon equals that I am making episodes only for people who pay for them. I would never put sex ed behind a paywall. That is just not something that I would do. I, I can't imagine why I would do that. Um, this episode, all episodes are... Ooh, that was a text. Awkward. Um, <laughs> that's a funny sound. Okay. I would... <laughs> sex ed, especially this these kinds of conversations we have on the show, need to be available for a person looking for them. I, I'm not ever going to hide them from you. I wouldn't pay, make you pay for an archive at all. The Patreon... Uh, which is uh, patreon.com slash sexnerdsandra. Pretty simple. That is so I can continue doing this work. Um, I don't know if I made it clear last week. I am a, f well, I'm a part-time science student now, which, you know, I've got 
ton of chemistry, bio, and physics coming up for me. I'm about to take a big statistics class. I want to get an A on everything. I want to get into grad school. I want to be a physical therapist with a pelvic focus. I still want to be a, a sex educator, and I still want to do this show. While I'm going through school especially, I just need to keep it simple. So if you would like this show to keep going... I want to try and see how I do with the first season like through Valentine's Day. But for like long-term continuation, I do need your support. This show will not continue without you because I need to figure out how to feed myself and keep it simple so I can get my A's, learn my business, and be very good in school and in um, expanding the sex ed profession through a body work. So that's my life. <laughs> my my forward thinking of it so the patreon is um it's also just a fun place to go and and be with other sex nerds and i'm posting silly things i am doing bonus episodes those are mini audio files of me just talking about what's going on in my life maybe my gender stuff um love life stuff i can answer your questions because it's all very private there and I, that makes me comfortable so okay enough about me and this patreon thing uh, if you want to support p-a-t-r-e-a-n.com slash sex nerd sandra again thank you to everyone who is signing up has signed up in december you're making me feel like this is possible i was really kind of like i don't know if this is gonna work and you know is anyone gonna remember that i podcast? i was really insecurity it happens to the best of us Hmm. Okay. Let's see. I'm looking at my notes. I was also very kind of intimidated to talk to you this week. I don't know why. Maybe it was holidays and just starting up again. I was feeling like, ah, I don't know what to say. Hmm. So I told you about the, about the episode coming up. Oh my God. Dave is so full of wisdom in this episode. He's like turned into like a really grounded guy. I'm into it. I was picking up what he was throwing down. Oh, the only other thing is, um, after the new year, at some point, I'm going to change the Sex Nerd Sandra jingle. It's very long. It makes sounds that are not very good for the ears. Um, I'm going to shorten it. And so just letting you know, that will change. And um, you'll be prepared for it. I already kind of tweaked it a little bit um, about the go ask your mom part, since you know, not everyone has a mom. And some of them have uh, no longer with us. And so it's kind of a bummer. Mm, so I'm changing that. Oh. I'm glad to be here. And hey, happy holidays. Happy New Year. I really hope that this coming year, whenever you're listening to this, I hope life is good and you have something to look forward to um, and people in your life who can support you in that. What am I saying right now? What I'm saying is I care about you and I want you to be supported however you need to be. Oh, okay. Here comes the episode. Dave Ross, former co-host of the show, we're throwing down. Get ready for it. Oh, yeah. Go team fun. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your guardian. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Armchair, very nice. So, here we are. Hello. It's the end of 2018. It sure is. Do you have you done any of the math of how long it's been since we have sat with microphones or like even hung out? Because we never hung out after our last recording, I don't think. Yeah. I think I saw you briefly one time. It's very possible. I mean, no, we did a yeah. Are we? 
We did like a check-in a year or two later after we, I stopped co-hosting the show. Yes. We had run into each other at the Nerdist uh, Geek and Sundry holiday party oh, and yes. then decided to record. I just listened to a bit of that episode called the Meta episode. Do, what? How long ago do you think that was? I think that that was probably 2014. That was almost exactly four years ago. Whoa, really? Yeah, we have a bachelor's degree between then and now. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah, like five, five full-term pregnancies ago. <laughs> or six, perhaps? I'm horrified that that's... That's what I'm, what you, you, how you calculated it. I'm just well, realizing. I got a lot of kids now, you know? <laughs> um, oh God, I still, I still laugh like that. Jesus. It's a good laugh. I just realized that I'm not getting anything in my earbuds, but I see our levels and we're recording. So what did I do to not actually get any sound into my ears? But huh. you're so loud. I didn't realize that I couldn't hear you in my earbuds because you have such a profound. Oh, that's so funny powerful. that you just hear me in the room. I know it does. With every passing year, it sounds more and more like my voice box has a preamp. Yeah, uh, it's like it is. It's got more. It got more robust. Yes. Well, I smoke a lot of cigarettes, and you know, I'm like super tough. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. When you're this tough, it's hard to not sound tough. The testosterone is really right, Funk. Um... <gasps> oh, you got him. Her. Her. Oh my God. We're yeah. Hanging please with do Dr. not misgender Funk. my cat. Thank you. By the way, I'm agender now. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, that's true. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's not a huge deal. It's more... Are you... Is it... Uh, what's your preferred pronoun? So, I have the least important... I feel like I have the least important gender identity of all of them because it's I don't care what my pronoun is. Like, you can call me whatever the hell you want. It's more answers a very a series of questions of discomfort inside myself yeah. of why it, uh, so much of putting on things like womanhood on me was always so uncomfortable. It's yeah. like, oh, there is a sense of identity that a lot of people who are men and women feel that I, or genderqueer, like I, it's like, it's not there. I'm like colorblind, but oh, for gender. Oh, that's interesting. So. Agender, got it. Or gender neutral. I don't, sure. I kind of don't care and it doesn't Non-binary in whatever way. I'm just off, I'm off the line. Like the line, I don't feel the line. Like I can't taste the line. I can't you see don't. the line and it's hard. You know, it's funny. This is how I feel about, and maybe this is, I hope this isn't a disrespectful parallel. I don't think it is. Um, that's how I feel about God. Um, <laughs> when people Tell ask me, me how I feel about religion nowadays, I say, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like if there were a term for it, I would call it apathyism. Uh, but like truly... It's not that I don't believe in God. It's that I don't care whether or not there's a God. Interesting. Yeah. And as a result, I find myself praying sometimes. Huh. Huh. Yeah. It's really, it's weird. So it's not, it's obviously not the same thing because it's not tied to my identity. <clears throat> but I'm familiar with the sensation of like there being a system put in place and just not really feeling like a part of it. It doesn't click for you. Yeah. Like the world says that you have to subscribe to this mechanism in one way or another, even like whatever, um, specific gender identity a person might have, you're still acknowledging the idea of gender within you, mm -hmm. which is good because it's important for a great many people. But if you don't have it, 
I mean, that's fine. I, I wish it were just an apathy, but it's more like, um, it's more like I've tried really hard and I didn't know why it just never occurred to me that I was reaching for something that just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, like I, I like will dress up for something and be like, am I doing it? I don't fucking, am I doing it? Right. But I also am like, guys can wear dresses and eyeliner and women can wear and, you know, suits and like, I don't, I'm cool with everything being an expression of anybody any way they want to. And I also still don't like, I, sure. I wish whatever. This doesn't have to be about the any gender. Well, I mean, it's, you know, you, as much as you learn and grow throughout your life, I think, and you, if you're the type of person who accepts others that gets deeper and more rich, the older you get, you're still affected by gender norms and the world around you. And so like, I don't think that it's strange at all for you to be someone who acknowledges that anyone can do what they want and then also still be trying to fit in. And cause it sounds like that's what you're saying. You were trying to like, what's my role. I I'm going to try and, and do now the I role. I don't have to do that anymore. Exactly. And so I'm yeah. free of that. It's great. So it's great. Speaking of, I was thinking about our dynamic as co-hosts. Mm-hmm. And one thing I really loved is that you independently of me, both of us were not fitting into the mainstream idea of what a man should be or what a woman should be. Sure. And so just as a, your persona, as a comedian, whatever, through the years, 2011 through 2013 and a little bit beyond. I just really appreciated your presence on the show for being a man the way you felt to be a man, which, you know, some people might call a beta guy, which is really fucked up and not actually true. Yeah, that's a weird term. But you really, like, wrestled with a lot of growing up and, like, being called, like, the F word a lot. like Yeah. And just, and I guess what I'm saying is, I'm wondering, what's your relationship now to being a man? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because, first of all, thank you. That means a lot to me. I have always struggled with what it was to be a man. And, yeah, a lot of my comedy back then, you know, it's funny. I didn't realize it at the time, but that was a real hair standing on end period of time for me in my life. Yeah, I didn't know it, but I was just always at 11. I was always stressed out. Hmm. Uh, Your stress was at 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You were also very high energy, so I didn't... Yeah. Oh, I guess that makes sense. (laughs) And, uh... Yeah. It's always been very important to me to... It's been a weird five years in this regard because the culture around me was still... Even in stand-up, even when I was doing your show and I knew mm-hmm. a lot of open people, mm-hmm. the culture was still really based in the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And we weren't really calling it then back then. So I was raging against it. And mm-hmm. my material yeah. in stand-up was really like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. And hear me. I'm not like this. And mm-hmm. it's important to me. And more than that, like I, I don't believe that most men are. I think most men are fulfilling a role. I think everything is a scale. How could it not be? Mm-hmm. We're all so different. But then the world around me, or at least the culture inside liberalism grew up mm-hmm. and started raging against it too, but in a different way, in the way that people of women and like non-binary people and queer people were standing up and being really loud about it 
and saying, I am this, and this has been hurting me in this way. And it did a couple of things that were really, really interesting. The first is hmm. I've stopped doing material about that stuff oh, yeah? because yeah, I mean, I just don't have the perspective that people do who aren't men. Um, but also people were so mad and I read so masculine mm -hmm. that I got some people being like, shut up. Uh, this got isn't it. your place. And they were both right and wrong. I think, you know, they're right in the sense that I absolutely should have listened and I had a lot of learning to do. Mm -hmm. And they were wrong in the sense that everyone has a voice, but I did a lot of shutting up is my point. I, I mm -hmm. totally agree with both of those points. Yeah. Like, I think it's smart to decenter yourself in some of the pain points that like come up in society sometimes. Like it's not always about us, but also we still can have a voice and speak to our experience on the topic that's coming up for everybody. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's taken me a long time to realize both of those things too, that as a man, I definitely needed to listen because I've benefited from the patriarchy so much. And, uh, and I am very masculine in so many ways. So I definitely as much as liberal and understanding as accepting as I always thought I was, I still didn't get it. Yeah. Um, but then it wasn't really until very recently that I was like, yeah, but that can exist at the exact same time as my own experience in which I was affected ne mm -hmm. negatively and I do have a little bit of a different perspective and you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're farther along, I think, than a lot of people who are men and white men. Um, they're kind of have a lot of heart and empathy for what's going on, but don't know who they are in it. Cause yeah. I hear the thing that's killing me and I don't, I don't know how to, I mean, I know I'll address this on the show in, in coming episodes at some point, but the, I know I'm just a white straight man. I roll. And so my, my opinion doesn't matter. My feelings don't matter. Like, yeah. and a lot of people are suffering through that where it's like, Oh, you, you also are valid. It's just gotta yeah. kind of do some of that work of decentering yourself sometimes. Well, it's ah. also disingenuous. I really, it just is disingenuous. I like if a woman or a person of color or a queer person is on stage saying on stage or on Twitter or whatever, saying, fuck white men. Mm -hmm. Um, I will always have some issue with that mm -hmm. because I'm in that group. Yeah. And I, and so, but I also see the extreme validity in that, mm -hmm. the anger and frustration you must have at this world where the, this group has just been given the fucking keys to everything. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that. Why but did then, we get like so I serious, Dave? What's that? When did the world get so serious? I know. Well, that's, you know, that's the other funny thing. Wait, let me finish that thought okay, real okay, quick. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. So like I, yeah. Hmm. Like I said, though, there will always be a part of me that when I read that, I'm like, nah. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even though I get it. Hmm. And I think it's disingenuous when dudes are like, fuck dudes. And it's like, I know what you're doing. You want to be on the team and mm -hmm. you agree that it's fucked up. Like we mm -hmm. all do, but don't act like you just hate you <laughs> as a broad statement. Because if you do, then that's a whole other problem mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Like no one is wishing that on you. Mm -hmm. No, like, 
I have very close female friends that say on the internet all the time, fuck men or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what they mean is I'm so mad. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of them are straight up misandrous, mm-hmm. uh, which also has multiple definitions and whatever. Some of them, I guess I should say, maybe some of them straight up hate men. Sure. But most of the ones I know don't. They're just expressing a frustration. And so, you know, yeah, be a part of it. Listen, understand. But like, I feel like when you're in the group and you're saying, fuck my group, it's a very odd thing to do. Yeah. That isn't necessary. I, and I mean, there's jokes. I love the, uh, how did, how dating now like you're dating for social justice people or, and there's always like the date you go on with the guy who's just like, I'm a total feminist and I'm all about you and I'm hate men. And, and it's just like, it's a lot of side eye to that guy. Like totally. you're trying a little too hard here, buddy. Yeah, like, exactly. Calm down a little. It's okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, like you said, what you said about the world getting so serious. The funny thing is. All of this is, like I said, I, I basically stopped talking about social justice. Still somewhat on stage, but mostly, and like not at all on the internet. And uh, there are so many reasons that I could list, but it's really forced me to, f- to find my inner silliness. Because I've realized mm. that like other minority voices on those things are much more important, especially mm-hmm. since people are listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also that I was just so mad and so pent up that I felt like I needed to talk about it mm-hmm. when actually the comedy that I love is dumb and silly and it's what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And it's like really forced me to get in tune with that. And I'm so much happier. Oh, I'm like, like way more me. It's challenging you to like develop your art form even more. Yeah, it's more honest. Cool. Also, it's more vulnerable. Hmm. Chris Thayer said to me once, he and I are really like, well, we we have a lot in common in like how we navigate being men and Is how we talk about feelings. Yes, okay. he's a comedian. He's really funny. And uh, we like share a lot um, amongst friends and on stage and in podcasts. And we were talking about how like people call us brave or vulnerable for mm-hmm. sharing these stories and he was like it's not brave for me man i'm good at it i've always mm-hmm. done it mm-hmm. what's brave for me is writing a joke and telling it because mm-hmm. i'm terrified it'll go wrong so there's that too i relate to that because people tell me i'm brave for talking about sex but that's like my comfort zone totally yeah so my bravery is other things that pe- other people are like what right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. I mean, it seems brave because so few people share that much. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Also, I don't really share that much anymore. Okay, because in two, four years ago when we touched base, I can't believe it's four years ago, but you were starting, that was a turning point for you where you were starting to pull back on self-sharing while I was moving, pushing forward on being more open about myself. Interesting. And so you're still, so that's really taken root for you. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I feel like we were talking about this a little off mic, how like once you start to have fans, people get familiar with you Mm -hmm. and you've never met them. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of beauty in that. Mm -hmm. And I do cherish that in a lot of ways. But that also means that I need a wall. Mm -hmm. I need a separation between Mm -hmm. my life for me, but also for the people I love. 
Because it feels unfair to me. Mm-hmm. It feels unfair to me to have a relationship with somebody and then just turn something that matters to us, some interaction, whatever, into entertainment for others. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but then also I do, I still value vulnerability and I, I think that my experiences with that can help. So I, I just pick and choose sometimes like on my podcast, I share some things, but I'll share like my general feeling or broad ideas of things I've gone through, but I won't say my mother did this mm-hmm. or my girlfriend did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that they're they not deserve. fodder. The people that you love and care for and that nurture you in your life shouldn't be fodder for, for your yeah, comedy all totally. time or your stories. Now, okay, two things. One, what's the name of your podcast? Because Terrified is no longer. Done. Um, and cause is it suicide buddies, Suicide which buddies. is a great title. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and you also have a album recording coming up that people can come to. Yeah, I do. February 12th at the echo in LA, Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm so excited. Cause that place I'm excited to do it in LA. I was scared cause LA crowds can be hard and there's a million yes. things to do. So I'm worried mm-hmm. about yeah. crowd, like filling the rooms, yeah. but I, uh, I think people will come and also this is my home. So I want to do it here. And the echo, like that's my favorite music venue on earth. Really? Yeah. Is that the place upstairs or downstairs? Upstairs. Okay. I've square danced there. Have you really? <laughs> yeah. That's probably. Is square dancing one of the things you've been getting into in the past no, 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 four no. years? As I was going to some bluegrass thing and then realized, oh, this is a square dance situation. And I was like, I am a yes to this. And no I had a great shit. time. There's dosy doing. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So the echo and Dave to the is still your website, yeah. right? Man, thank you for plugging my stuff, Sandra. I like you and support that you're on a whole journey and career and stuff. I remember you would go out every night and, uh, do standup mm-hmm. and I was like, this man is crazy, but I appreciate you showing up to my show. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We like exchanged a little bit of the idea that we had like, not regrets, but like thoughts on how we were back then. And one of Mm -hmm. mine is that centering around that. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, uh, I don't hate myself something or something Mm -hmm. for it, but I have calmed down a Mm -hmm. lot. My life has gotten comedy is my job. Mm -hmm. Mostly now, Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe halfway. I don't know. I take more nights off. I focus more on personal relationships and I've been doing that for a few years and it really made me realize that I, I'm like a very self-centered person for sure. Okay. And I think I do, I work very, very hard to know that and think of others, but, but at a baseline, I'm very self-centered. And Mm so especially then when I felt like I had to go do comedy every day to get Uh good at it, Uh I'm like really bad at knowing that the thing that's the reality for me is not necessarily knowledge, like common knowledge to others. And so especially then when that was my reality and it was always, I was obsessed about, I feel like I was, Oh, you thought everybody else thought that was their reality too. Or like that they would know, for sure that that was my reality or at least like when I talked about it, that the reasons 
why I had to focus on comedy would be very clear to them. Not even like, okay, for example, I told (laughs) an old group of friends, my, my like favorite people on earth who are the best friends anyone could ever have Mm -hmm. for, and I know it because they accepted this in me. I told them when I started stand up, I was like, guys, you're not going to see me Mm -hmm. for three years. I think I said, cause I yeah. have to do this every day and I have a day job and I just, I'm going to disappear. And they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I just like straight up told them that. And <laughs> I, and luckily they're sweet understanding people who are in entertainment. So they got it probably more than a lot of people would, but hmm. three years became 10. It's only really recently that I'm reconnecting wow. and they're still there for me. Oh yeah. It's incredible that they are when I disappeared for a decade and, um, and they're just supportive and loving. And, uh, you know, I have to do the work now to get back into their lives because Mm -hmm. they just like, aren't in the routine of having me around, but they're, yeah. So there's stuff like that. And, and so with the show, there's one memory I have in particular that makes me think I did this to you some, and I Our feel show. bad about it. Uh, right, cause, like, okay, can I share about what you texted me to, uh, yesterday? Sure. Just yeah, like, yeah. I might want to tell you about some breakthrough, uh, some breakthroughs <laughs> that I had in therapy. And I was like, Oh, Oh, well that's even separate from this. Oh, okay. Um, maybe not separate, but it's, yeah, but we'll get love, into it. I can but, talk about that. But yeah, what, what do you we think? We had a conversation happened? once about doing a sex nerd Sandra tour. And okay. I remember saying to you, mm-hmm. yeah, I would do that. Uh, as long as I can definitely do stand up every night, I have to do stand up every night. And I'm, I don't assume to mm. know what your emotional reaction to that was, mm-hmm. but you looked at me like I was insane. And, uh, <laughs> you were like, and if I think about that, it's like the hubris of someone <laughs> saying, Hey, I'm going to put a tour together in which we go perform for our fans doing our thing. And for me to say in response to that, I will only do that if I can do my thing Mm -hmm. is very, very selfish. And I think that there were probably a lot of times that I acted really selfishly and unappreciative of the show because I was so obsessive about stand up. And I'm not entirely sure because I was so like in my head then and wound up. I can give you feedback about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, Well, I, I I mean, I vaguely recall that being a dream of mine doing a tour. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't say for sure why I would have looked at you insane, (laughs) but mostly that sounds like my nightmare. Like you pushing yourself to that degree um, and being in front of audiences and trying to d- develop your craft for me is like the opposite direction of what makes me happy. Oh, interesting. So you, to me, I remember going like, I really want to do a tour. And yeah, I knew that you like, you would travel for comedy anyway. Like it just made sense. Like that would be a cool thing to do. Yeah. But so, so I don't, I'm not necessarily, that's not resonating for me the way you interpret it, but I think it's still healthy too. Um, I have ways that you were hell bent on world domination for your comedy career <laughs> that I was like, Oh, okay. Um, but that's yeah. not one of them. <laughs> oh, interesting. Cause I mean, you were one of the most ambitious people I've ever met at least. Well, but it was also that I was working with you in a way where I got to see that deep ambition. I think most people in LA that are really 
just hell bent on their own world domination because like it's so rampant and you're just wanting to like come to LA and do your craft and, and be seen and appreciated and do your art. I mean, I think that's a, a big passion. Yeah. And I don't think that's bad. I'm not saying it in a bad way. I think it's it's a uh, it can it can drive people in unhealthy places. Palpable. No, it, yeah. It's palpable is a good word. Yeah. I was very unhealthy. Hmm. I think that I I still was really concerned with being a good person. Mm-hmm. So Dang. there was at least that. It doesn't take away from the fact that I, I'm just positive that I was rude to some people. Okay. I I, I you know and like. Like I said, I did my best to be a good person. So it's not like I kick myself because whatever, you know, I was young. I was also, you know, young. Um, <laughs> oh my God, and you grow and get babies. better and shit. Yeah. We, yeah. I would giggle so much on the show. Well, it was also so fun is the thing. Not for me. It was yeah. kind of my nightmare. Oh, really? Yeah. I had to do like years of therapy. Not the actual interviewing, mean? but um, you know how you said your anxiety was up? or stress was up to like 11. Yeah. So I was listening cause people would also at some time at times people would complain about me giggling a lot Yeah. and I couldn't really hear it. But then just listening today, preparing to talk to you, I was listening going, I'm giggling constantly. It sounds like I have a crush on you. Oh, interesting. Like, like I'm a 13 year old kid. And what I know is going on for me underneath that is I feel completely out of control. I don't know how to do this. I don't yeah. understand why I have a podcast that people listen to. I don't know how to manage and host and lead and and be like the, you know, like the host daddy and like lead the conversation from beginning to end. Like that was such a difficult skill. I was panicking constantly. And you know, so I was laughing all the time. Sure. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> and I sound like, a, like, a, like someone who just hit puberty laughing. It's so funny because I never like, I don't think that that would have, that really that anxiety for you, I don't think read to the audience. Well, that's one of my superpowers. <laughs> no, no, no. Me not being able to be read as anxious. Like I used Me to too. be, I was a second, second AD a little bit, uh, which is a person who like makes sure that, that actors on set, like go through like wardrobe and whatnot and get them to set. Like it's yeah. pretty low key. But one thing is when like you've probably been on sets with where everyone's stressed out and like yeah. the director and the actors and the producers are all like having hissy fits and everyone's mad. Um, I would get compliments for being super calm and chill with the actors and so that they felt really safe so they could go through the journey of getting ready to get to set. But I would be falling apart inside and like having like crying behind the trailer because the, the set was so toxic. But they couldn't tell. Right. And yeah. so I that's one of my superpowers is I can completely shut down any sign that anything's wrong. But yeah. what happens is I just have internal um, like I basically just God, have, I have severe this exact mental same health. Thing. But does it like turn into years of mental health, like debilitation? Because <laughs> that's what happened to well, me. Well, I definitely had a years of mental health debilitation. I don't know if it was surrounding that. Okay. But anyway. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, it's fine. I'm doing much better. I've done the work. Are you? Good. Yeah. So like, I'm fucking pumped. That's part of why I started the show again. I started a Patreon and I do bon bonus like little episodes where I can share more personal stuff. Um, and I talked more about it. That's great. Yeah, I want to talk about it a lot now because no, it seems, it seems distracting. I want to talk about you. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Let's get back to you. I mean, I, what you were talking about with that nerves is like, I, I don't, yeah, I definitely don't think the audience could have picked up on it, but I think that if, I think that I did and chose to not, if that makes sense. 
And yeah, I mean, again, like I said, it's the past is the past, and it's not like I did anything horrifying. So I, I like, I guess it's just important for me to say, like, while I'm acknowledging regrets or things I think I did wrong, I think that it's okay. Uh, all you can do is like feel bad about them and do your yeah. best to let people know and stuff. I, when, and like, when I'm see- oh, sorry. I'm seeing something in you. Oh, what's that? That you're, that you might be worried that at some points you weren't kind or respectful. Yes. That's exactly what it is because, and it's because I was so one track minded with comedy and so stressed out and so not doing well emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that like, I, I guess I would prefer it mm-hmm. if I had acknowledged this pain in you mm-hmm. and taking, a, taking a little bit of the weight. But rather what I did was I took the opportunity to be a co-host, mm-hmm. which was the best job on earth because none of the pressure was on me. I just mm-hmm. had to be funny. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I didn't want it to be anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. it was, yeah, I hate, man, being the main host, I guess I also know this now because I've been the host uh-huh. since, and it's so much worse than being the co-host. <laughs> Oh, I, it's terrible. I've never co-hosted, so I don't. I mean, I <laughs> didn't. I, I, I was jealous of you in, for showing you would up. Have, just, you booked the guests. You know what we're going to talk about. I just had. I was, lot. and I was so not plugged in to what was going on that I like. This this also plays into maybe I'm I'm like being a little too hard on myself. I don't know, but you know our fans got mad at me for interrupting all the time. Mm-hmm. And my reaction was like, hey, don't be a dick to me. Mm-hmm. And now that I've been the host and I've been interrupted by my fucking co-host so many times, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I totally know why that's frustrating. <laughs> oh, uh, but I didn't have the self-esteem to figure out what was going on. <laughs> yeah, we were both figuring it out, too. And a couple of people were rude to me about it. And that's never OK. No. Um, I, I want to share what my observations are because I want to make sure that I mark this because you you seem to have I really am loving the sort of like longer lens hindsight yeah. that you're looking at this time and when I look at it you were always respectful and always kind well that's nice and to what hear and was interesting because I could tell that you were struggling because you I mean because you had so many hustles going on and you'd yeah. show up to the show but I mean you'd be traveling and, and creating sketches like you had a lot going on like I yeah. knew that my show wasn't the center of your universe I was like a side thing that you would do sometimes you were always busy um but to struggle with both wanting to be respectful of everyone and, and make sure everybody got along and making sure you were also held in good graces all the time, but also there was an underlying frustration, maybe a slight sense of anger that was there. But like, I, I didn't take it personal, but like a frustration that you wanted to kind of fly and do your own, create your own thing. So coming to be a co-host with me while fun was also you and I hadn't really done the work and I didn't know how to lead in doing the work of what is our relationship as co-hosts, you know, and how do we do, are we, is this our thing? Is it my thing? And you just show up because there were, were times when we would try and make it both our thing, but I, we, I didn't know how to do that. Interesting. You know, and that's funny. And I will counter you saying that to like, I, I guess, I accepted the dynamic that was presented to me Mm -hmm. and went with that. And so, so yeah, I mean, the only thing that I would really say about that is it was like, it wasn't like a little bit later. I was like, Oh, maybe Sandra wanted me to be more of a part of that. (laughs) 
Uh, because I just assumed the entire time that I was along for the ride and, and you were in charge and I just did that. And actually, hmm. I I got really frustrated with a co-host I had a, on a thing later hmm. uh, because they wanted to be more of a part of it. Huh. And in my brain, the way that hosts and co-hosts work is host is in charge. And like it, this, oh, is, this like, is how I'm one huh. track minded uh-huh. that I'm really trying to work on. Like it makes total sense that you invite someone onto your show and they're like, yeah, I'm a part of this with you. But I was like, no, the way that dynamic is, is like you just show up and I make all the decisions. And then we had to sort of like work on that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just like very tunnel visioned if I let myself. Um, so, yeah, it's funny that you say that because I was just locked in on doing it huh. how you were doing it. And it worked for me. And then I thought later, like, maybe that was shitty of me. Uh <laughs> Yeah. I did want to try doing like silly videos or something to like at least promo our show. There was something of, I did. I remember that. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking, great, I'll do that whenever you set everything up. Oh, maybe that's, <laughs> I, I was, I kind of wanted, I was kind of looking to you for more leadership because you work did so much video oh, stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I really loved about our dynamic, which I didn't have words for at the time, but I, and, and people would say like, there's something about. I don't know if people have said this to you, but there's something about how we were coming at our dynamic that was different than a lot of other things. And I mean, one, listening to the shows earlier today, I, there were so many jokes or like openings for banter that you would set up just like a silly little lighthearted thing that I took literally and seriously and then would want to drill into it. And then we, and then you'd have to be like, yeah, all I meant was this. (laughs) And you'd have to explain the joke to me. Uh, And this happened. And because, I mean, part of just the word nerd partly is just not really understanding social cues. And like I right. I still struggle with it, but I'm better at just taking it as a joke and not trying to make everything super serious. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. For you. Yeah. No, oh, it's yeah. nice for you. Yes, more options. Yeah, I'm fine. That was <laughs> fine. Because everyone, I don't know, it's your responsibility when you're a person who jokes around a lot to like be there for people's level of buying into your jokes sure i i uh, there was a lot of good flowing moments i turned into like 10 minute tangents because i couldn't let it go oh but i think that what this i'm saying is, is oh, okay what i'm saying is i really liked that whatever the classic thing is like cute likable woman person and then like nerdy clueless guy and we kind of had a really interesting reverse on that interesting because you were just sort of like the you know, Joe America, but also I got my own things going and I'm mad at the patriarchy, even though we're not using that word yet. I really was Joe America on that show, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah. And so I, we, funny. And it was necessary. You were necessary and important. Uh, and yeah, my show got very serious for a long time after, after you, I left. Yeah. yeah. Cause it took me a while to develop and give myself allowance to be lighthearted as well. So, yeah. I mean, I will say, yeah, you, you wanted that too, what? right. For it to be, serious did you not no oh no i had always loved the lighthearted way of being i didn't know how to do it like it took a lot of improv classes over the, i remember the, that yeah i remember you saying that and like cool. worked on it and i a lot more permission by the time i had a total breakdown i was really funny you had a total breakdown yeah Man, i'm sorry oh it's okay those are really important and necessary sometimes. oh absolutely yeah so. i had a full-on complete entire life meltdown at the end of 2015, whenever I ended Terrified, mm. 
Mm. It was in retrospect, absolutely crazy. It was like, <laughs> like you lost touch with reality or like, no, not to that degree, but it was like, it was acknowledging. I basically had to be like, if I don't do something, I'm going to kill myself for sure. Huh. Uh, mm. Cause I said, to my girlfriend at the time, I was really depressed. I was like, I was, I like depression was just on top of me. And, uh, and I didn't hmm. know, I just didn't know what to do. And it was, I, it wasn't even that I didn't know what to do. I wasn't even trying to stop it. And, uh, okay. and I said out, I was like crying, talking mm -hmm. to my girlfriend at the time who was just so desperately huh. sadly trying to help and could do nothing obviously Aww. yeah it was so awful for her hmm. uh and i said out loud she was like what's wrong what's happening what's wrong huh. and i screamed in her apartment i'm garbage <laughs> oh. and then i like heard the words said oh i had never said it hmm. i heard the words said and I was like, oh, I don't think anyone's garbage. Even the people that I think are terrible people, I don't think are garbage. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I just like melted down. But in a, you know, it ended up being a good thing. I also, at the exact same time, had two very close friends lecture me on how I'm a bad friend. Oh. And that's like, that was the beginning of me being like, shit, maybe I'm like really self-centered. Hmm. And look, like I said, I, the other... The thing that therapy has done for me that I've gotten, I think, better at hmm. in recent years is, is I am, I'm getting really okay with me, including those flaws. Hmm. Okay. And like, and you have to. Yeah. That's the big thing that I think even a lot of people who are empathetic and go to therapy and are okay with those things don't think it's like. The first thing you do is you're like, I have a problem. Mm -hmm. The second thing you do is you start trying to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. The third thing you, I really, I cannot employ you enough to do is to stop thinking of it as a problem. Are these the 12 steps, the first three steps, or mm -hmm. this is just the steps? This is of, just, just a thing I think. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know where we were going. Cause like when you use the language of it as a problem, you're just the connotation of problem is there's something wrong with you. It invites repression. Yeah. And it, I guess there is something wrong, but in the way that there's something wrong with all of us, mm -hmm. these like emotional and psychological problems we have are to be managed, not to be destroyed because they will. I was thinking this the other day and I think this, if I were to ever be a person with famous quotes, I would want it to be this one. <laughs> uh, the opposite of an emotion is not the absence of that emotion. Hmm. The opposite of an emotion is awareness of it. Ooh. Uh, bringing it to the conscious level. Yeah. But then once you're aware of it, you have to treat it yourself. Mm. And so like, yes, being self-centered is bad and affecting other people negatively is, is bad and you shouldn't do that. But you are this way. You are wired this way. It's not your fault. It's mm -hmm. just your responsibility. And oh, so. This is good stuff, man. Yeah. yeah. And so like while learning to be better and be as good to others as I possibly can, I also need to not yell at myself for the way that I'm wired. Yeah. I just need to manage it 
and I'm, I can't even tell you, I'm like being softer to oneself hmm. makes it even easier to like not be less self-centered. You know what I mean? And hmm. I'm still like not the best at it and I still fail all the time and Wait, get depressed all the time. But not be less self-centered or not. Yeah. I more... worded it weird cause I stumbled my words, but like <laughs> being good to yourself makes it easier to uh, fix that problem that you were trying to fix. That isn't that a problem, can't be it turns fixed out. And mm. just needs to be managed. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to make sure I didn't absorb that. Uh, I'm still just as fucking wordy as I ever was. God, I'm the most... Uh, this is the thing that I kick myself for. I'm so verbose. And I've just had to accept that about myself. Hmm. I get interrupted all the time. And a big reason for it is that I cannot say things briefly. Hmm. Another reason for it, though, is that comedians <laughs> fucking don't listen to you. And it's very frustrating. <laughs> uh, it is a terrible quality in Hollywood. We None of us listen to each other. Huh. We're all trying to get our fucking joke in or whatever. Maybe that's why I hate hanging out with groups of comedians. Oof, it's a nightmare. Never do that. They're always attacking each other with their voices. Yes. Yeah. There's a type of podcast or TV show where the format is a bunch of comedians talking at the same time, and it is <laughs> my least favorite thing to do ever. Wait, wait. I want to I wanna refocus because I also want to respect that. I mean, it is the holidays, and we both have holiday things to get going and yeah. doing. So, um, wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. What? Oh, Dr. Wanted to Fung. get one more meow in there. Yeah. Meow. Oh, welcome to the show. Some more. Oh, no. Her oh. Claws are caught on the mic. The cats. Oh. <laughs> Attack. Sorry. Sorry. I, I like cats now. Did you not like cats? Yeah, I didn't want to say anything before, but I didn't. Oh. <laughs> you just never told me? That's so funny. I really, I'm all about dogs. I'm like, what is oh, this? I love dogs. Dogs are great. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm catist. I was, and now I'm, I've been healing that part Do of Do you me. follow Maru? On Instagram. I will now. Maru is the best cat Instagram. M-A-R-O-O? M-A-R-U. Okay. It's this Japanese person's cat. I believe Japanese. Uh, they post everything I think they write in both Japanese and English. But anyway, mm. this cat loves being in tiny spaces. <laughs> so there's just all these videos of a cat like finding a tiny box and trying to fit its whole body into it. It's unreal. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> Have you seen the uh, Harvard Physics Award like, speech for writing a paper on whether cats are liquid or solid because of the way they conform to shapes? No, but that's so <laughs> funny. Um, okay, this was this is me failing at guiding us back to the topic at hand, <laughs> which is I would like to just end with. Well, I have a few questions from Patreon oh, humans. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Um, but the idea, I mean, we've talked about some of our experiences kind of behind the scenes while, while doing a sex podcast together, but what was it like being the co-host of a sex podcast? Like, what was that like? I mean, yeah, well, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, on, it was great. It was like one of the most, if not the most enlightening experiences I've ever had. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, I'm like a pretty closed off person. Okay. 
Um, Doesn't seem like it. You're all pretty open to new information. I guess I'm like, yeah, maybe not closed off, but sexually, I guess I'm, I, and you can tell from listening to the show, I'm, I'm like a pretty, um, I'm pretty traditional, I guess, when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have my things that turn me on mm-hmm. my kinks or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I hesitate to call them kinks because I think they're pretty tame. This is but... my current. This is my current definition of a kink. Okay. So I used to just think that kinky is what uh, vanilla people call people they're judging, like oh that's kinky. Uh... But now, now though, I say a kink is something that turns me on that I think other people would not share that turn on. Oh like, yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's kinky. It means like ooh, this kind of turns me on, and I think other people would judge me for it a little uh, bit. Oh, interesting. I don't know if you use it like that. But. No, I just, I guess I just think of it as what turns you on. Oh, okay. Um, but, but yeah, both. Okay. But, um, yeah, so it was really eye opening. I learned a lot. I met so many interesting people. Mm-hmm, also, it, like the opportunity to be a comedian in a world that is not centered around comedians was, hmm. I cannot tell you that was indispensable to my growth as a person and as a comic. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like this audience of people that were not necessarily even their top priority was not comedy. Mm -hmm. I got to like reach them and meet them. And uh, so it taught me a lot about Mm -hmm. comedy and, but also it really taught me a lot about me. Yeah, it was great. I mean, there were, as I said, at different points, there were, at the time, there were parts of it that made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were... Like butt stuff episodes? Like, what were we talking no, about? No, no, never anything sexual. There were things about um, d- the different ways of navigating dating that huh. I was uncomfortable with. Huh. And I, I think I expressed it to the best of my ability. But there were some things that I felt that I felt like I couldn't bring up. I brought it up on the last episode, and I don't remember what I said, but I said something like... There was a dental dam fight. There was a dental <laughs> dam fight. I remember that. No, I was pretty open to what people were into, but I I remember having a lot of trouble with the emotion, the emotionality of um, non-monogamous relationships. Ah. And... And having like a, a lot of confusion around that and not wanting to express it because Got I was it. really worried that it would seem like I was judging mm-hmm. when I didn't even feel like I was judging. I just felt like I'm so down for whatever people do that is that is healthy, but is this healthy, is healthy but is this healthy right. because like everyone has things that make them emotional and I am a person who has been like emotionally submissive in so many relationships because Mm of where I come from as a person, which Mm -hmm. is a household in which I was, I was a problem if I got angry. Yeah. And so like I developed a brain that would like not, I, in my heart, in my core, and I fight against this constantly in my core it is wrong for me to be angry. Hmm. If I'm angry, I am doing something wrong to the person I'm angry at. Interesting. And so it's really hard for me to express emotions to people and uh, that are like negative. It's really hard for me to confront people and stuff. So I think about polyamory where 
everyone is like open and like uh, expressing exactly what they want. And that sounds wonderful to me, but it really worries me that someone is in the relationship not expressing what they actually want. And, uh, and mm. that really fucked with me. And I mm. think I didn't express that that well, like, like I just did on the last I, episode. Yeah. You, you sound like you, you're seeing so much of your underlying programming. To- Therapy has been the best. It's yeah. incredible. Right. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm high-fiving you in my soul. Same. Yeah. Hard <laughs> high five. Um, <laughs> I recognize that you as somebody who saying that you had a hard time expressing anger or like feeling like so, something bad would happen to other people by expressing it. And me mentioning earlier that I had a sense of underlying anger or frustration earlier. Like Part of couples therapy stuff is like every relationship you have in your life, romantic or not, you're it seems like you're playing out and trying to repair, uh, old dysfunctions totally. growing up. And I think part of like, or relive them or relive them and hopefully getting out of the cycle, but often not yeah. But between you and me, my flip side of being around somebody who is dealing with expressing anger or not, or what that means. I come from a place where I never learned to be separate from someone's anger. So I'd always try and fix it. Sure. Like I couldn't just let somebody have their feelings because I wanted to somehow, basically, it's sure. like, oh my God, look at us, like, acting out old wounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. As would make sense. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, you know, we work together so much. Yeah, a little bit under 100 episodes. Were wow, you the crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, sometimes I'd go off and interview people at cons and stuff, but I'd always try and do, like, an intro with you or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... I have some questions, but you also mentioned something about uh, therapy breakthroughs. I'm like, can you just give me like a taste of what that means? Yeah, well, I said that because that was just the most succinct way to say it in text. I actually think the idea of a breakthrough in therapy is is not really real. Like there's no – the stereotype of it, of that word, how we hear it is like I had a breakthrough in therapy. I realized that my dad – punched me in the mouth and that's why I, you know, whatever. That's why I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then, and then you, th- so you think of a breakthrough in therapy as like you realize a problem and then immediately the problem is gone. No, not at all. Not at yeah, all. Of course. But so slowly but surely overdoing therapy, I've noticed more and more patterns. And, and mm-hmm. I, like I, once I like had that meltdown in 2015, I actually took a big break from therapy and, uh, and I, uh, because I felt like I, it was making me live in the depression more than I was capable of handling. Mm-hmm. And then I went back, um, you know, not long after nine months after or something. And I've been there again ever since. <laughs> um, and, uh, even in that breakthrough though, I noticed myself like being able to catch these patterns of negative thought for me, like when I'm castigating myself for doing something wrong or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so that was a good first, I would say breakthrough, like movement into like, Oh shit. After doing this for like five years, I notice it. I am now at least a little better at coping with when I am spinning out in my head, which Uh, would happen to me all the time on the show. Not on the show, oh, just but checking. just in my life. Okay. Yeah. I just didn't know if I, I if uh, time on the mic together, you spun out. Wow. No, I did oh, not. Okay. No. Uh, no, I felt very 
I felt safe there for sure. Okay. Um, but then recently, yeah, I use the word breakthrough just because like, I just feel lighter. Mm. I just feel softer. I feel mm. it's hard to describe. Unclenched. Yeah. I feel like it's, I feel more than ever huh. like I'm all right. Oh. And I'm all right to be all right. And I have problems and I fuck up all the time. And, and I, I'm like, you know, I'm all the, I'm a human being that has all that. And at the exact same time, I'm, I'm an okay person. Mm -hmm. It's okay that I'm alive and I have friends and I should have friends more importantly, mm -hmm. and that I should feel good mm. things. And, yes. and that's like really yeah. new for me. And oh. it's so nice. Welcome to it. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Huh. Okay, I have three questions. Sure. They're very important. Thylas says, awesome. I hope about me being like, yeah, I'm going to interview Dave. I heard Dave on Behind the Bastards earlier this year, and that really took me back. He's a great co-host. Oh, Ask nice. him if spending so much time talking about sex on Sex Nerd Sandra has changed how he goes about things. Also, just plain see how he's doing. I think we did that, but do you feel like that time has changed? How you, how oh, absolutely. I mean, it opened me up to, I mean, that show opened me up to understanding, uh, all kinds of different things surrounding sex, gender relationships and psychology that mm. I hadn't thought about. I mean, the, the show basically taught me that everything is a scale, uh, mm. that everything, I don't think I had actually really thought about how like, of course, sexuality is a scale and gender is a scale. Like a spectrum, and, like, like anywhere along there is okay. And why wouldn't it be in every way? And so I, I look at the whole world now that mm. way. And yeah. yeah, matter of fact, huh. when you were talking about gender earlier, hmm. I had a moment earlier this year where I wondered, um, maybe it was last year, I'm not sure. I wonder if one day I will come to see my gender differently than I see it now. Hmm. And the reason I say it that way is I'm not entirely sure because it's not, it's not like, um, it's not a definitive feeling yet. And mm -hmm. it's not, it's not like I, th I see myself as not male even, mm -hmm. but I was reading about all the different gender, uh, the different genders. However, many there are 60 something oh, i didn't know we'd arrived at a number i feel like every I think, month I feel like a it's different... ever changing yeah right yeah but i was just like reading through i was interested in it and i came across one that was basically like uh it's called trans feminism and it's a person who sees themselves as uh male and male-bodied mm -hmm. but with a very feminine identity Mm -hmm. and I read that and I cannot tell you huh. the it feeling of relief I experienced oh. right when I read it. Oh, and so I have a friend who's trans masculine, mm -hmm. which is the same, but for a female bodied female person. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she was like, yeah. And then she explained more what trans masculine and trans feminine was. And, and, and after I talked to her about it, I thought, 
like, okay, I'm probably not trans feminine mm-hmm. because it's a little bit more extreme onto the side of feeling. But you could be male low on female. the scale of trans feminine. Exactly. And, and also there's a thing of like, I do identify very masculine and, uh, and so like there, there's this added, like, it's hard. It would be hard for me to just start claiming queer because I haven't had the struggle mm-hmm. and I, the last thing I want to do is appropriate someone else's struggle. Mm-hmm. But the idea that I can myself in my brain identify as a deeply feminine person mm-hmm. is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. Hmm. And definitely the show helped me get in that arena too. So Cause awesome. I do have, I've just always saw my, seen myself as more feminine and it's funny. I argue with people or people see me as masculine who don't know me at all, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Cause I have a deep ass voice and I'm six feet tall and I mm-hmm. look like this, you know? Um, I see you. Yeah. I got like facial hair and shit. Yeah. Right. Funk. Uh, no response funk now. has nothing to say. Um, but I've always felt it in me. So at least as like a, emotional or psychological identity I, I i am i have that who knows if it'll be something more one day but mm. yeah and i hope the show helped with that so yeah thank you thank you yeah thank you thylas for asking okay dan asks does he still feel weird about some of the show as i think i remember him saying later after leaving the podcast now i'm not sure i mean i we, think i just touched on that yeah. actually so if um, there's anything else you're like i also feel weird about that one time that co that guest I never felt weird about anything. I always felt like it was okay for, I don't know. I think it's good. I always thought it was good to talk about it. And however you feel as a person, that's fine. I still felt that way. Mm -hmm. I just like, I was really worried that specifically non-monogamy could hurt people. Hmm. And... And I think where I've come to with that is that like monogamy is the same. It's not that it's like different. There, right. Monogamy is hurt me. If you're lying, then mm-hmm. you're an asshole. Yes. Whether you're monogamous or polyamorous or whatever you are. And they're not related. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I think my worry was like, I was like putting a lot of weight on polyamory as this other thing. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, maybe there's more opportunity. Maybe it's more likely since it's non-traditional for someone. I guess I was worried that it's like an, uh, someone who is manipulative can use it as yes. a way to get what they want more than monogamy because monogamy is so like feet planted in our culture. Right. But people who are manipulative around control use monogamy to control their partner and can be abusive in that way. Right. So then you have people. So it's like I see the flip side exactly. in abuse for that. Um, but you're making amazing points. <laughs> I like but them. you know, and that was, that was, that was the one thing I yeah. think that I bugged me about what we talked about yeah. on the show. Yeah. And you must've been confronted a lot. Cause I was going through a lot of, uh, Oh, like I was exposing myself to a lot of polyamory ideas at the time. Yeah. Well it did, but it was good though, because it made me think about it yeah. and, uh, like accept it mm-hmm. because it was prepared you for this new world where yeah but and it also <laughs> the cool thing was that it solidified how i felt about myself i wouldn't have known i'm still very monogamous mm-hmm. um i have wondered at different times actually recently i've been wondering 
uh, I, you know, I've dated a lot and I, uh, there's so much there, mm-hmm. but I haven't settled down at all really mm-hmm. in a couple years, like even into a, and so, and then my last relationship that was long at all, it was a few months. It was all about, it was a couple years ago, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It was all about like we talked about like wanting to go domestic and have a normal life or whatever. And then after we broke up, I was like, wait, I don't know if I do want that. I started <laughs> right. comedy. So there, ha- there definitely are a lot of like things, chips implanted in my brain by American society that yeah. I have been like, wait, maybe not. But then of course, recently I met a girl that I really like and I've, you know, that'll, that would, be a monogamous thing so who even fucking knows yeah. I have theories uh, on that but yeah. that's too much to dig into I think for now and we've been talking for a while yeah I I really feel bad that we're we're at an hour in terms of recording and I feel so bad because don't feel bad well I wanted to respect what you texted me earlier about like needing to go out oh it's okay no, I have plenty of time when we finish I'm going to use the bathroom thank you for that because I have to pee so bad right fuck <laughs> she's no help I hate doctors me too Mm. and funk music um and then i'm gonna go christmas shopping and i got i got time okay okay um last question from alan now we don't need to dive into this i just need a number it's mm. all we need okay alan on patreon here how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood i feel like they definitely can and they do it all the time but I like thought uh, that rhyme amount, was really weird amount per <laughs> a pound, amount per minute Amount per minute. I'm saying log a minute. One, One log, log per minute. I feel like a woodchuck can, un- <laughs> the An can crush log. a log. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck up some wood. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate this it. This was really nice. This was. Yeah. I... We should do another check-in like this at some point soon where I interview you. On Suicide Buddies? We could. It would be... Suicide I mean, Buddies is weird because I don't, we don't really have guests that often. Okay. I, I don't, yeah. Need, I don't it's yeah. fine either way. I just didn't know in what context. No, I meant on this, but yeah, I guess on Suicide but, Buddies too. Also, you want to inter- you want to interview me? Like I get to be a guest on my own show? Yeah. I did that once on Terrified. Yeah? It was crazy. Was it? Yeah. Jake Weissman interviewed me. It was nuts. <laughs> he's also one of your closest friends. Yeah. yeah. And he's also like one of my heaviest, mm. emotionally heaviest friends. So it I'd was be open to that. crazy. I don't know what you'd ask me. Well, I, there were so many times during this I want I like was starting to ask you things, but you're a good host and you were focusing on interviewing me, and so I didn't get to, and so that's why I said that. Thanks. Oh, I see. And also, I'm sure your listeners would like to I'm hear. On, I'm open to it. Yeah, I. To be honest, I've thought a lot about it. I I'm comfortable sharing a lot about my own struggles and my own thoughts on things. I don't. I never have the urge to share opinions that much. Like I, yeah. I'll t- chime in, but. I'm not somebody who's going to record a 20 minute intro to my show and just talk about what's important to me, you know, oh, sure. like, you know, some other people I feel comfortable with that. Some other people, <laughs> who could it be? No, there's lots of podcasters who do that. But, um, but the bonus episodes, I are the only place where I realize like I'm okay with people who kind of really support my work. I don't want yeah. someone walking by in the public sphere of oh, internet, finding out my deepest, darkest sort of, but if they're like real, truly invested in you, yeah. And then, like, yeah. it feels like it's a little more of a safer place for me oh, to open I up see. a little bit. Yeah. So maybe something like that. 
But I, yeah, I don't think I'd post that publicly. This is so funny, but I truly have to pee so bad that so I. So funny. We need to either end you, or you, pause. You sat, <laughs> you sat up. Um, no, I feel good about this. I'm looking at my stuff. And, yeah. And, oh, where can people find you in the world? Let's just go over the details because when is your show? Um, my album recording is February 12th at The Echo in LA. Tickets are on sale now at their website, theecho.com. Also, you can get there from my website, davetotheross.com. And uh, yeah, my podcast is Suicide Buddies. It's yeah. on Starburns. Yeah. And you're Dave to the Ross everywhere. Instagram, yes. Facebook, Twitter. Everywhere. All letters. No okay. numbers. Yeah. All right. Thank, Thank you so much. This was really nice. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yeah.